0: so i'm talking to simon dingle who is a broadcaster designer and technologist he heads up product design at curve in london and he also hosts a weekly radio show on 5fm called tech to the power of five simon also hosts two podcasts called binary and take back the day so check those out how are you simon
1: i'm fine thanks and you valenghile
0: good okay so today we're talking about something that i've heard about but understand very little about so you're here to demystify bitcoin and the DAO project for us.
1: Okay, wow, no pressure.
0: Okay, so let's get started with Bitcoin. I, I know that it's a digital currency, but like, how does it work? And what is it all about?
1: So Bitcoin is really, the easiest way to think of it is money for the internet. You know, money is is an interesting thing. It's, it's the second most important thing we invented after language because it's really a way of us transferring trust um, between human beings. So societally, money's been important for thousands of years. Um, and we've always had money. There, there are a lot of misunderstandings Standings about where it came from. For example, a lot of people believe the barter system existed. It never did. It practically couldn't. We've always had money. And so, so, so you know, money's been around for years and then the internet came along and it really turned everything about the way that we communicate as human beings and the way we transfer things on its head. But money was never created with the internet in mind and it, and we failed to to take money online. You know, we look at things like credit card transactions on e-commerce sites and PayPal, etc. They're all okay as ideas, but they're really taking something that doesn't work on the internet and forcing it to. And it's been a bit messy. The bigger problem with money is that it's still centrally controlled by authorities that have failed us. And we saw that in 2008. uh, And it wasn't the only example of how the current monetary system is exploitative. And, and just doesn't work. And so what Bitcoin is, is for the first time, we've imagined not just money, but trust for the internet. And more importantly, it's decentralized. So it's, it's a ledger. Uh, and you know what a ledger is, it's just a, a record of transactions, really, but it's decentralized, it's open source, it lives on millions of computers around the world. And whenever I do a transaction, so if I send you some Bitcoin, those computers all need to agree that I sent it to you. And then verification comes from the network. And that verification happens through uh, a network called the blockchain. And the blockchain is really what powers Bitcoin and vice versa. Another misunderstanding that's quite common these days is it's become fashionable for people to say, oh, yes, well, you know, the blockchain uh, shows a lot of promise, but we don't need Bitcoin. And that's a misunderstanding. It's like saying that you want ice, but you don't like water. The blockchain doesn't work without Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the unit of transfer on the blockchain. You can't do anything with the blockchain unless you're doing it with Bitcoin. It's also very uh, handy for for central banks and, and other old world monetary authorities for you to believe that Bitcoin isn't important, but the blockchain is because they plan to build their own blockchains, which they will be failing at in the next 10 years. But to to bring it back to a simple explanation, Bitcoin is money for the internet.
0: And so from what I've read up about Bitcoin, by the way, um, this launched in 2009. So it's been a while since this thing has been around and this concept has been around. But what I've read is that it's anonymous, right? And because because of the, the nature of the, 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 the system, there are no credit card fees. It's not tied to any country, so it can't be regulated. Am I right in assuming that Bitcoin is a way for us to start avoiding tax as well?
1: Not at all. And in fact, there's there's some, there are a few misconceptions in what you said. And and there's nothing wrong with those misconceptions. They've been spread far and wide and the media hasn't helped much either. But to begin with the first one, Bitcoin is not anonymous. So, you know, the, the Bitcoin transaction is, is written publicly into the blockchain and anybody can go and query transaction you can go to blockchain.info and you can type in you know the the bitcoin address for anybody in the world and you can see every transaction that's come through that address where it is challenging for authorities is that those addresses aren't always tied to a real person's um, you know identity however if you want to get money in and out of the system you know that's still a very regulated space and you won't be able to buy bitcoin without going through something similar to a fica process it's it's quite difficult to do so yes bitcoin can be anonymous just like cash can be anonymous you know, I can give you a 50 rand note, and it's very easy for us to to make it look like that transaction never happened. With Bitcoin, it's a bit more difficult because that transaction is written into the blockchain. But but that's one of the misconceptions about Bitcoin is 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 that it's is that it's completely anonymous. Is it a way of avoiding taxes? No, not really. Um, no more than cash is. You know, a lot of businesses, and and I actually had this encounter recently with a, a moving company. I was moving, uh, and they asked me to pay them in cash, and it was quite obvious they wanted me to pay them in cash so that they wouldn't declare it and wouldn't pay tax on it. So tax avoidance has always been really simple. I would argue that a system like Bitcoin, if applied properly, actually makes it more difficult to avoid tax, not easier. The problem right now is the tax authorities don't understand Bitcoin, so they don't know what to do with it. They're kind of standing with their hands in the air. And so they're kind of just ignoring it for now. And as you alluded to, you know, it's very difficult for regulators and legislators to stay relevant in this world. We've seen a similar thing with Uber, right? It's a self-policing system. It actually doesn't need regulators involvement. It doesn't need an authority to protect consumers. The network protects the consumers itself. And so they don't know what to do about it. It takes them three years to get regulation written anyway. So by the time they wake up, it's too late. And the system has changed anyway or other competitors entered the market or the world has moved on. So we're increasingly seeing regulators become irrelevant. And, and Bitcoin is another example of this because Bitcoin is a self-regulating system. It's, 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 it's designed not to need central authorities. And so the central authorities are actually relevant now. They just haven't caught up with that fact yet. All
0: right, so let's segue into the Decentralized Autonomous Organization, also known as the DAO. What can you tell us about that?
1: I'm very excited about the DAO. I think, I think this is really um, you know, one of the most exciting applications of black blockchain technology that we've seen. Uh, and essentially what it does is it doesn't use the Bitcoin blockchain, it uses something called Ethereum. Um, now, Ethereum is very similar to Bitcoin in a lot of ways, but where it differs is that Ethereum was designed to make it very easy for developers or anybody making applications to create what they call smart contracts written into a blockchain. So, you know, Bitcoin is an example of how we use blockchain technology for money. Um, and I could use it for contracts too. So if you are buying a house for me, for example, in the future, we could write title deeds into the blockchain. There's a startup as well that's now putting diamonds into the blockchain. They, you know, every diamond has a unique sort of fingerprint and they measure these diamonds and then they create a record in the blockchain and you can actually um, trace um, the the transfer of diamonds around the blockchain. So again, anything that, that that involves human trust can be written into the blockchain. And the way you do that is by writing it into bits of Bitcoin. Now, Ethereum was designed to make it even easier to do that from the get-go. So it was really designed with contracts in mind. And what the DAO does is it uses these smart contracts to write essentially what is the shareholding of a company into a blockchain. So they started with a crowdfunding campaign that's gonna end uh, in three days' time from this recording on the 28th of May. They've raised $150 million worth of Ethereum already. Um, and the people who, who crowdfunded the DAO, who bought um, what, what they call tokens, um, they're essentially the shareholders of the company. So the DAO is a company that essentially runs itself without directors or managers in the conventional sense of the word. And these people who bought tokens, I'm one of them, will make decisions on what the company does. So anybody with tokens can present a proposal like they can say, hey, I want to build an electric car. Here's the plan I have for it. Here are the resources I need. The community of DAO token holders will then discuss it. And if they approve it, there's voting that happens through the Ethereum blockchain. If they approve the project, it then gets lighted uh, and they start to get contractors and other service providers on board uh, to bring these products to life. The products then get sold, just like any company sells products. The revenue comes back to the DAO. Uh, It gets spread back to the token holders, just like regular companies spread their profits back to shareholders. Uh, And it's a company that essentially runs itself on a blockchain.
0: Okay, in your view, how... Could this impact the way that we do business and in terms of like growth and development in Africa? So I know I know not all African countries are the same, but like what do you foresee in terms of the challenges, maybe challenges to adoption, for instance, in emerging markets like Africa? How would this kind of a system like the DAO project fit in to the way that things are actually moving right now
1: well i think for one it's inclusionary there's no discrimination so if you want to buy dao tokens nobody's going to tell you what there's a limit on it you could buy you know a few rands worth of dao tokens if you wanted to so it's immediately inclusionary i think it also unlike traditional businesses doesn't rely on exploitation and and you know that's that's an extreme view and a lot of people roll their eyes but but it, it's true that that most big corporates today rely on exploitation of some form, whether it's in the lower ranks of the company, whether it's on their consumers. I mean, I could literally carry on all day about how big banks rely on exploitation for their business. The other thing that that they rely on is is making inordinate amounts of profit to prop up the lifestyle of a few people at top of the company who like flying first class and driving Rolls Royces and owning more houses than any human being could possibly inhabit in a year. And those rich do douchebags at the top of conventional corporate companies cost those companies a lot of money in bonuses, in salaries of millions of dollars that uh, God knows what they do with it. It's not philanthropy for the most part. I can promise you that. And the DAO cuts all of that guff out of business. It takes those unnecessary old dinosaurs and their private jets out of the picture. It doesn't rely on exploitation and it also doesn't have rules about who can be involved. It's a very simple transactional model. You buy tokens and you vote using your tokens. And it doesn't matter who you are, you can do that. I think it also lowers the barrier for people who want to create products. You know, if I've got a good idea for a product now, there's a whole lot of hoops I need to jump through to either get a big company to to back it or to buy my idea, to convince investors to get on board. And, you know, that relies on a lot of BS as well, frankly. And I think what the DAO does is it in a very objective way allows anybody to bring those ideas uh, to an organization that can make them happen. And those ideas will be heard, they will be discussed, and they'll have a chance in a very sort of uh, democratic way. So I, I I think it changes everything. I think it's inclusionary and I think it's massively exciting for economies in Africa. Uh, Again, the DAO is just just one DAO. It was invented as a platform. So you could have multiple DAOs. You and I could start a DAO today and start selling tokens for it and start making things. So it's, 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 it's very exciting and it's something that anybody can do.
0: Okay, well, I'm shaking. I don't know if it's from intimidation or excitement, but I'm so happy that I had the chance to talk to you, Simon. And thank you for breaking this down for us.
1: It's a great pleasure. Thank you.
0: So we just heard from Simon Dingle about Bitcoin and the DAO project. Keep up with Simon on Twitter by following him at Simon Dingle. That's D-I-N-G-L-E.